In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has descended. This is the 40th sermon on this series of homilies on the Sunday Epistle readings. And ever since Pascha, we've been reading from the book of Acts. And I hope that you at home have been reading the weekly readings from the book of Acts as well, because this has been a wonderful experience of reading the book of Acts and reading about the first days of the church, the history of our church, how it all began. And if you're like me, when you got to the end of the book of Acts, you thought, well, that's not a very good ending. (laughs) Because St. Luke basically kind of uh, has an abrupt and nothing very ceremonial about it. He just says, you know, he chronicles the journeys of Paul, the missionary journeys of Paul, and the shipwreck and everything, and everything that went on, and finally they wind up in Rome, <clears throat> and he simply states that Rome, in Rome, Paul settled in. He was under, he was, he was um, a prisoner, but he was pretty much, was allowed to act as a free man in Rome. He was able to, to go and come and go, and he, he preached there for two years, and then it just ends. It's like, well, what happens next? <laughs> what happened to Paul? Why did he come to Rome? What was the final ending? But he doesn't give it to us. He just says that he was there for two years of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many people have speculated on why Luke did it this way. There's different arguments about it. But I, and I researched this, but I tend to, to agree with the author who believed that Luke, of course, Luke was a very good writer. If you, if you read the book of Acts, you read the gospel of Luke. I mean, he's just very skilled in his writing, very purposeful in everything he wrote. So I don't think it's just by chance that he ended the way he did. But um, it is believed that he simply stated the fact that Paul made it to Rome. And that really was his destiny, to make it to Rome, to stand and be uh, judged there, to preach the gospel, to establish the Roman church. And then, of course, the rest is history. Now, being Orthodox, we are very blessed that we know the history. We don't have to just stop there and, and, and wonder, well, what happened next? We, we know from church tradition what happened to St. Paul, that he was martyred in Rome. We know what happened to St. Luke. We know what happened for the next 2,000 years. All of it measured against the canon of Holy Scripture. All of it measured against the canon of Holy Scripture. So I kind of wanted to just wrap that up before I get to my real sermon for today which is my sermon on the Feast of Pentecost. I want to tell you, the sermon I'm going to give today is very controversial. And you probably will not hear this very many places. In fact, some of the things that I will say today, people in our country are being beaten for saying what I say. People are being fired from their jobs for saying what I'm going to say today. But I want you to trust that I have done my research, that I'm not just making any of this up, but I am 
confident that I am presenting to you the truth about what is going on in our country right now. And I want to relate it all to the blessed feast of Pentecost, which we are celebrating today. Pentecost is the celebration of the undoing of Babel. And it is also the birthday of the church. You know, at the time of the building of the Tower of Babel, all the peoples of the world spoke one language. And they were united in evil pride. And God came down and confused their tongues so they could not complete the building of the tower and could not prosper in their rebellion against God. Well, the last two weeks, we have been watching in our country an attempt to rebuild the Tower of Babel. To resume the work on the Tower of Babel and to unite the world, specifically our country, again in a different universal language. The language of this revolution is expressed well by a photo which I took on Friday in Lafayette. And I sent this out on my email. And I wish I had a big sign to share with you. I guess I, I wish we were more like the evangelicals. We could have a big, uh, big screen, you know, and I could use all that, but I, I don't have that. But I want you to picture this sign, this picture. It's a beautiful limestone church with wonderful um, landscaping all around it. Very lovely, beautiful church. And a, there's three signs in front of this church. One large limestone sign, very, dis, very uh, distinguished and permanent, strong. Limestone sign, and then over the doors of the church, a huge rainbow colored banner, which had about six different statements on it, very dogmatic, strong statements on it. And then a very small, like a yard sign, a political yard sign over to the side that um, was not very impressive. <laughs> But anyway, the large limestone sign simply says Unitarian Universalist Church. Unitarian Universalist Church. Then the large banner, the rainbow-colored banner, had the following statements, which, which I see as, as the first sign I see as um, reflects the overall agenda to eliminate Christianity and replace it with a uniform totalitarian worldview. When I say totalitarian, I mean a view that is going to be imposed by force upon people. A unitarian totalitarian worldview expressed in that term Unitarian Universalist Church, believing in nothing and everything, worshiping man instead of God, tolerating anything except 
for the truth of the true God. So then, in the other sign, the banner, it lists what I consider to be the dogmas of this new religion, or this attempt to restore Babel. And these were the six statements. Number one, love is love. Number two, black lives matter. Number three, climate change is real. Number four, no human being is illegal. Number five, all genders are whole, holy, and good. And number six, women have agency over their bodies. What do these statements mean? Love is love. That means that love is whatever you want it to be. Whatever you want it to be. The goal here is to make it illegal to believe, not only to, th- to say, but even to believe or express that any kind of sexual activity is immoral. They want to make it illegal for anyone to even try to help someone be healed, say, of homosexuality. There are some states where they are making it illegal to have ministries that are uh, put together for the sake of helping people break free from homosexuality. Number two, black lives matter. The supposition here is that America is a systemically racist country and that white people are guilty of privilege. And they want to make it so that if you will not confess this, that you will be penalized in some way. And this is happening already. I saw a very chilling video of a, and there's some question about who actually made this video or what, what it was really about, but it, it was, there was a very uh, strong sense of reality in the video. A supposed Black Lives Matter representative or employee very calmly ordering a white woman to get down on her knees and apologize for being white. The woman was very scared at first, but then the the young man was very calm and and calmed her down and said, just um, very straightforwardly said, I I work for Black Lives Matter and I've been told to come to tell you to kneel down and to, in solidarity with our movement, and to ask forgiveness for your white privilege. And the woman did. She kneeled down and she, she found the words. She, she had to kind of think for a couple seconds, but she found the words to express her, her uh, being sorry. It was very disturbing, very disturbing to me. By the way, I, I hope that, that we can share with, together that, that we have been very traumatized this week. And that we can admit that to each other. Those of us, if you, haven't, if you don't watch the news, you know, you, maybe you're just fine. You're happy. 
But if, if you've been exposed to what's going on and have seen it in the various news medias, whether liberal or conservative, then you, you ought to be traumatized and very concerned and, and worried. But, but we, we should not be worried as Christians. I'm never saying that we should be. We should always pray. But we, as human beings, we can't help but be traumatized by the things we've seen. So anyway, <clears throat> this was very traumatic for me to see that. Number three, climate change is real. The argument here is that human beings have the power to change the temperature of the world and that developed countries are required to pay restoration and compensation to underdeveloped countries because of the role we have played in hurting the environment and causing global warming. Number four, no human being is illegal. And what this means is they want to do away with all boundaries, all borders, and national identity. Specifically, they want to eliminate any barriers to voting by illegal immigrants. And with all of these statements, the implication is that if you do not agree with these, you are a hater. That you are a bigot. That you are less than human. This is the implication if you don't embrace these statements. Number five. All genders are whole, holy, and good. The goal here is to eliminate any distinction between men and women and to redefine what it means to be even a human being, what it means to be married, what it means to be a family. Number six, women have agency over their bodies. Abortion. Abortion is the sacrament of this new religion. These are not merely personal opinions of some people. These are totalitarian principles which are going to be forced upon humanity or the attempting to force upon humanity by those who are in power or trying to gain power. This is the united language of Babel. This is the united language of political correctness. This is the united language of identity politics. Now, the third sign, little yard sign, simply says on it, reform redistricting now, which is a, is a reference to how the politicians divide up voting blocks and neighborhoods and, and states into, into voting areas. And they, each political party, whenever they're in power, they have a chance every now and then to redistrict things to their advantage to help them in the next election. And so this is just a reference to 
to uh, using political means to, ad- to advance this agenda. This sign represents the political strategy of this movement to advance the Democratic Party. You know, it used to be that, you know, you could, no matter what church you went to, you didn't have to talk about Democratic or Republican, and you, you, you really did not want to talk about that because they're good and bad in both parties, and, and the church is really not the place to divide up into political groups. But this situation has changed in our country. This, I mean, there's, there's no doubt about this, that the Democratic Party has become the voice of this agenda. There's no question about it. And this is the goal of the Democratic Party, a governmental authority championing these progressive agenda items through socialism or communism whichever way you want to talk about it. They're both pretty much the same. There is a civil war going on in our country. There is a civil war going on in our country. There is no doubt about it. Really, and it's been going on since the 60s, or even earlier. And it began with the sexual revolution. You know, in warfare, there is a the common strategy is to use air power to soften up the enemy before you go in with troops. We've seen this in, in many wars and in history. And in our country, this air war, this air power has been going on for 50, 60 years or so. The air power is designed to soften up the target to be overtaken before putting boots on the ground. And this air power has come in the form of political indoctrination in the government, in the public school system, in the churches even, in the universities, in Hollywood, Disney, Netflix, and in the mainstream news media. In all these institutions, basic Christian values have been assaulted and driven out. And many of these airstrikes have come through the agency of the United States Supreme Court, through their decisions. For example, banning prayer in schools, Roe v. Wade legalizing abortion, Obergfell versus Hodges, legalizing same-sex marriage. And all of these dogmas that I have mentioned of the universalist church are being beaten into the hearts and the minds of our people, each generation becoming more and more progressive and open to socialism and communism. Ronald Reagan pushed back against this during his two terms, But until this current administration, the Trump administration, both Republican and Democratic administrations have acquiesced 
to this agenda and have been losing the war. This has led to the creation of the deep state. Now, the deep state is not just a conspiracy theory. It is several layers of bureaucratic institution gradually built up through the expansion of the federal government and the employment of more and more government workers who are progressive in their ideology. That's what it is. We've seen this very clearly the last three years in the attempt to take out Donald Trump. Everything that has happened and everything that's starting to come to light about how the FBI and the State Department and so many agencies conspired together to try to get rid of the duly elected president. So this past week, we have seen a new phase of this war on our country. Really have. It's no longer just a war of ideas. But it has become a war, a physical war, a violent war. With boots on the ground in the form of rioters, looters, and other malevolent people using peaceful protesters as their cover. The left has become violent and militant and boastful and demanding and proud. They are trying to win over the police to their side or to have the police completely emasculated and discredited and nullified. They are using peaceful protesters who have bought into all of the lies to protect themselves from being prosecuted for their crimes. This is absolutely the truth. As well as as good intentioned as they are, the peaceful protesters are facilitating this war against our country. The peaceful protesters think they're doing something good, but they are actually helping the rioters and looters and the criminals tear down our country. Even though they themselves are peaceful and well-intentioned, they are advancing the false narrative. This is one of the worst things about it, is they're advancing the false narrative that America is systemically racist. And therefore, they are giving legitimacy to those who are being violent. If all of the peaceful protesters stayed home, then all of the criminals would be exposed. Instead, they're there, they're providing cover, they're peaceful, peacefully protesting during the day, having these wonderful events, while the criminals are just resting and getting geared up for the next volley against our country. The next, their next strategy is to provoke a reaction from those on the right, especially the militias and patriots 
who have been preparing defend our, to defend our country. Law-abiding citizens who own guns. If this happens, their cause will be energized. If they can provoke this reaction, their cause will be energized and the police and the U.S. military will have to be called out to fight against law-abiding citizens. Of course, in the backdrop of all of this is the agenda to get rid of our president, Donald Trump. Something that had been going on from the day that he was elected. They are trying to make sure that President Trump is not real, is defeated in the November election or that the election itself will be compromised. And it is absolutely essential that our legitimate government, using the police and the military, restore peace and order to our society before the right-wing militia and law-abiding citizens feel that they have no choice to be, but to get involved. If the legitimately empowered forces do not do their job, then we will enter into a true military civil conflict, which many lives could be lost. The agenda of the less the agenda of the left will be advanced through it. So, it's very sobering. But it is all true. What can we do as Christians? <clears throat> we need to pray for our president, Donald Trump, and for all of our civil authorities to restore order. In November, vote for politicians who you believe will defend the right to life, religious liberty, and other basic Christian values. Be informed. Watch trustworthy news and conservative media. Do not accept the lies of Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and all the other groups that are stirring up division in our country. Do not give in to hatred or anger. Do not give in to hatred or anger. If there is any true racism in us, let us all look in our own hearts. If we have any true racism, let us repent of it. But I am telling you again, America is not a racist country. Um, of course there are racists in our country. But America is a good country. We abolished slavery a long time ago in a very painful way. We have elected a black president and allowed, gave him a second term. We have made so much progress in this area. But the left is using this as a tool to advance this agenda that I've been describing. Repent, let us repent of any personal sin. Continue to struggle against the passions. Be prepared to suffer for your faith. Be prepared to suffer for your faith. Every time you start to worry, pray harder. I'm so thankful for the Jesus prayer. I've had nights where I cannot sleep 
And thankfully, the Jesus prayer has helped me to get to sleep. Stay close to your support system, your family, your church, your neighbors. Don't be isolated in front of your computer watching all this. Be involved with people, real people, face to face. Speak the language of Pentecost, the undoing of Babel. Preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world in a way that they will be able to understand it. Just as did those first participants on that holy day, the birthday of the church. Jews from all over the world, civilized world, from different countries, spoke different languages, miraculously were able to hear the gospel in their own language. You know, we, in our country, we all speak English, well, most of us. We all speak English, but the words that we use no longer have the same meaning to all of us. It's almost like we're speaking a different language. And finally, today, join in the kneeling of prayers of Pentecost. Not the kneeling of weakness before men, or the kneeling of disrespect before the flag of our country, but the kneeling of the soul before the Almighty God in humility, gratitude, and worship. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has descended.